Hello, welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast, a podcast where I study being social by being social. Coming to you hot from the depths of my parents' basement. That's right, back in Southeast Michigan right now. It's a thing. I don't know if you guys know this, but like when you go back home to visit your parents, you miss them. You love them, but you start to get a taste of what like senior citizen life is like. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure that I have the patience to deal with this level of bitching. I really can't. Other quick thing, um, I know that my parents were always scared to drive in the car with me when I was 16. Did not know that I would also be scared to drive in the car with them when they're 65. Holy shit. I'm literally about to call the state of Michigan. I think, what is it called again? The, um, what, what, what the fuck is that place where you go and you have to get your license and you wait forever? Like the DNC or something? Oh shit. I never claim to be a smart person. Um, anyway, I'm going to call them and I'm going to tell them you better consider revoking these two's licenses. Okay, because uh, their driving can only be described as erratic. And that's putting it lightly. They legitimately think that they're invincible. Either that or they just give zero fucks. It's it's nerve-wracking. A lot of things to tell you guys. I got some shit coming for you. Your boy's going back on the road. I'm finally going back on the road. I get to do some shows. Haven't performed since March. I'm tweaking out, but finally I'm going to be doing some shows for you. I'm going to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, November 13th and 14th. Tickets are up on my website, mrdtimes3.com. Snag them up, snag them up, snag them up. Minneapolis, Minnesota, November 13th and 14th, two shows each night. We're going to do it. They're socially distant and safe. There's capacity restrictions. So this is what I got to tell you. Get in while you can. Get in while you can. Get your tickets. Get in while they're hot. Because when they're gone, they're gone. And that is just how it's going to go. Minneapolis, coming in hot gonna serve you up with some laughs also the patreon's up the patreon is up patreon.com slash joe dombrowski this is what you get you can become a super fan five dollars five bones five biggity biggities five bucks every other week you get a bonus episode of the social studies podcast where i'm gonna be a little raw real and candid with you unedited too we're gonna talk about that real real Two of those a month and two videos a month. You might get a vlog. You might get a behind the scenes video. You might get a comedy sketch. You might get just me ranting about some shit that I'm pissed off about. You never know. Five bucks a month, that's what you get. But hold up. If you want to upgrade to super fan status, you're going to get all that. Plus, you're going to get four invitations. Four times a year, we're going to do private zoom happy hours with all the super fans so become a super fan you can kiki with me in the happy hours four times a year get to know some other super fans too who are in here too we're gonna play games we're gonna do the back and forth we're gonna do uh, i'm gonna have prizes for you of course we're going to sip on the nectar of the devil himself I'll even send you guys some little drink recipes so we can all be drinking the same thing it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a hoot and holler as they say in the nursing homes, I think. But that's what's coming up. 
Patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. Patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. That's the, um, the jingle, if you will. But while I've been here, uh, you know, it's been a little bit of a thing. I am sleeping in my childhood bedroom, which is alarming. I wasn't sure what I was going to find. So I very tactfully went under my bed, looked to see what I could find. What did I find? Found the 2005 Eisenhower High School yearbook. Oh, yeah, baby. I sure did. Let me tell you what. If you went to Eisenhower High School between the years of 2003 and 2007, you're not safe. I'm going to read you to filth. I'm I, Literally, I'm going to dig up all this shit and spill it out. Let me tell you a couple things that I found. One, number one thing that I found, I would say 75% of the people in our high school thought that this high school that we went to in Shelby Township, Michigan, was set in Laguna Beach. Bitch, they thought they were on the show. How do I know? It's the hair for me. It's the jeans for me. That low-rise Abercrombie, good, good, with the flip-flops in January. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I said it. Y'all thought you were on Laguna Beach. If you didn't think you were on Laguna Beach, then bitch, you thought you were auditioning for American Idol with that Kelly Clarkson skunked hair streaked looking like it was painted like a road. That was another thing that was popular in 2005 that y'all had down on lock. But your boy wasn't playing like that. I was uh, in a little bit of a self-discovery phase. I didn't know who I was or what I was, but I knew that I was going to rock this American Eagle wide-collared blue polo for picture day in 2005. I knew that I was going to, uh, oh, you know, throw on a hemp. Let me repeat that. Hemp choker, no less. A hemp choker. And then on top of that, my hair, nobody had the audacity to tell me to ease up on the hair gel. I must have used an entire bottle of hair gel. This shit was spy high, 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 hikey, spiky. It was spiky. It looked like the back of that woman, John and Kate plus eight. Like, you know how Kate had it like quaffed in the front, spiky in the back. It was spiky like that. This shit would pop a balloon if it landed on it. And that's the truth. That was my hair. But what caught me off guard the most is this hairstyle that I don't even know if it was acceptable in 2005. It was few and far between. Few, few 16-year-old women in my high school dared to venture into this territory. It was the bangs. The bangs were long. They came down past your chin, but girl, you straightened those bangs and you swooped them to the side, like probably used plaster of Paris to smash that shit down near forehead. Like if you lifted it up, it would be like one piece. Like it would be one, um, you know, toupee of bangs, if you will. Super flat. But the rest, you must have spent like, I'm guessing, 10 to 12 hours diffusing the rest because it was curly now I'm not talking 
a gentle little wave. I'm not talking a little structure, a little this or that. This shit was curly, curly, and crispy, crispy curls. We're probably using the same hair gel because those curls looked wet, wet, crisp curls that I'm betting made sound when you moved your head. Okay. So just envision this again with me because I know you're listening to this right now thinking, yeah, I wore my hair like that. Flat in the front, curly everywhere else. That's a 2005 mullet, if you ask me. A little different in the front, a little wild in the back, if you will. And then if you really wanted to top that off, black eyeliner, thick as Sharpie. Hold on. The lights just start flickering because... I've, I've, I'm being summoned for dinner. Okay. You might as well just ring the triangle and call me like little house on the prairie. Like, you know, I'm down here working. This is my job. Okay. With that, I'm just going to send thoughts and prayers to all of the 2005 hairstyles and choices, specifically those of us in Michigan who decided to wear, you know, our leather-bound Abercrombie overpriced flip-flops in the month of January. Shout out to you if you did that. Harder shout out to your toes for enduring that sort of pain. Podcast guest today, you guys, so stoked about this guy. New friend, new friend of mine, had this guy on as a suggestion from my manager, hit it off. The real deal, funny as hell, funny as hell. And newsflash, again, used to be a teacher. One up that, not just a teacher, teach for America. All right? And I'm talking the good kind. This guy's the real deal. I'm so excited to have him on. Without further ado, welcome to the Social Studies Podcast. Chinadu Unaka. Try to catch me howling at the moon. Yo, you guys. I'm here with Chinadu Unaka. What's up? How are you, man? Good, man. Good. Just had some coffee. Uh, got back from the gym, so morning is going okay so far. Okay, I got to talk to you about this too. You're, right. um, how do I say, shredded? Not, I wouldn't call it shredded. I'm more like cabbage. I'm Here's not shredded bit. lettuce. I'm like a tomato. You know? Don't don't play me though, because I <laughs> follow you on Instagram, and I'm like, okay, the arms, the guns are out, and I'm over here in quarantine, and literally, like, I had a six pack before it started. And now I'm down to one ab and that's apparently called a tummy. So right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like dying over here. How, how are you keeping up with all this? Yeah. For me, I went through the same thing. Uh, the first two weeks I was eating whatever cheese, it's ice cream, you know, Heineken's Corona's just chilling. I'm like, Oh man, quick little vacation. The country will open up in about a month. We'll be good to go. And then, you know, gyms did open back up, whatever things wasn't going back to normal. I was like, okay, cool. I got to get used to this new environment. So I just started buying a lot of gym equipment for my house. And so I just bought like some resistant bands, a weight bench, all types of stuff. And then um, a gym just opened up in LA that I've been going to like the past week and a half. But before that, just been working out in my, in my living room and then just taking walks. I'll just take walks. Is it so scary working out in the gym, though? The only reason I haven't gone back to the gym is because I'm over here like the sweat 
I swear I'm going to go to the gym and then they're going to be like, Corona happens through sweat molecules. I'm going to be like, well, fuck. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I was definitely nervous in the beginning. Um, but they do a pretty good job of like keeping a bunch of hand sanitizer around. A lot of the people that work out there, they're very cognizant of like, you know, wiping down the machines with actual chemicals. You know, and if you don't, people kind of look at you like, yo, because people don't want to get to get shut down. So everybody's being extra careful. Because right. if you're caught not being careful because they have people, I think they're kind of like spying on different things, then you, you get shut down again. And so mask on, cleaning. So it's pretty safe. And then I'll go straight to the shower, throw the clothes in the bag, and then, you know, wash them. See, the shower the shower situation in the gym scares me even more. Oh, no, no, no. Shower at home. I definitely oh, don't okay. shower. To, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, even when things are normal, I never showered at the gym. <laughs> That's like... I didn't have a choice half the time too, because of just like being traveling, being on the road. So like that, I would have to like shower, get ready and go to the shows. So, but uh, now I think that was probably my biggest thing. But what I've just realized is newsflash, I'm not on the road until 2020. So I can have the luxury of showering at home. Yeah. So you're that dedicated. You used to work out right before the show. I, I used to work out like five times a day every single day, did not miss, would work out at like hotel workouts, done, done, done. Wait, and five times a day? Did I say a day? You, you said a day and you said it so confidently. I was like, that's insane. We're, <laughs> we're gonna change the word day to week. Weeks, okay, I'm with you on that. I was like, wow, five times a day, that's, that's crazy dedication. Okay, you wanna know a fun fact though? Yeah. So, okay, you were a teacher before you, you know, started getting into comedy. I think we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But you're very well aware that teachers are broke as shit. Like, super yes, fucking yes, broke. Yes, we are, especially LA ones. My, my, <laughs> listen, I, I started in Detroit. So you want to talk about that? Oh, uh, yeah. That's, That's bro. My side hustle when I was teaching was comedy and I was a spin instructor. Ah, nice. Did you do it on the weekends or at nights or when did you find a time? I did it at 4.30 in the morning and then went to work. Wow. And there then went go. home, took a shower and then hit the clubs to do the other job. It was crazy. And that's what, yeah, the, the grind, man. And I don't know if we don't talk about it now, but yeah. No, that, it, I do. I do. So, okay. I, I think it's so... It's so cool to talk to entertainers who used to be teachers or have a background in teaching. Let's yeah. just... Okay, we didn't even tell the people who you are. Why don't you give people oh, your, your your pitch, and then let's get like right into um, let's get into how like how you got started in teaching first. Got you. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm uh, my name is Shina Duanaka, as Joe said. Um, comedian, writer, actor, and then uh, for definitely, I was a teacher for six years, and then I also was like a special education coordinator too for a couple of years. Um, as far as how I got started into teaching, it. Started when I was in college. I always knew like I wanted to do something where I'm helping people, you know. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad were both social workers. Uh, I have an older sister who's a doctor, another older sister who was a teacher for a few years. Then she became a vice principal. Then she was working in the home office. Then she now she just works for the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or state or city of Houston. Um, and so you know, this is kind of in my blood. Wait, where'd uh, you go to? Where'd you go to school? I went to uh, UC Santa Barbara for undergrad. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you Santa Barbara. I majored in sociology. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was kind of actually doing stand-up in college, okay. right? But I didn't know I wanted to make it a career. I just knew I enjoyed doing it, right? It was a really fun hobby. And so I was thinking to myself, okay, cool. I really love doing this. Whether I can make money or not, I want to continue doing this. So what I did was when I applied for Teach for America, 
Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they have the priority. What's most important to you? What you teach, where you teach, or the subject you teach, right? And to me, because of comedy, what was most important was where I taught. So as long as you put me in LA, New York, or Chicago, I was willing to teach anything. And they have a box that says, check this box if you're not willing to teach special education. I was like, I can't check that box. Who's checking that box? Apparently a lot of people is checking that box. <laughs> Full stop. Full stop. I, I can't check that box, but apparently so. I didn't check that box, so they put me in special education, which was fine with me, and but they put me back in LA, which was great. So I'm back, I moved back to the city I'm from. Um, and then that's how I started teaching. My first interview I had, they hired me. I was teaching middle school in uh, like LA on like Adams and I think it was Arlington, not too far from USC. Okay. And uh, yeah, taught middle school for two years oh for ISEF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. And I love that staff, but the school itself was having financial issues at the time. So oh, checks of course were it's TFA, baby. Bro, checks was coming late, all types of stuff. People were leaving left and right. Principals were leaving. Uh, you know, uh, people from the home office were leaving. Teachers were leaving. So I was like, all right, this place seems a little bit unstable structurally. Not necessarily students were great. So I was like, let me apply somewhere else. It's a little bit more, you know, whatever. And so I applied at Green Dot and got in. So I taught there for my last four years. When I got an acting agent my last year, I was going to quit before that last year started. My principal, she was like, I really need you. I want you to hear it. We'll make it work. I was like, fine. Okay, cool. So she was letting me, you know, go to auditions and stuff like that when I had them. And it, it, we worked out fine, but I was exhausted. I, oh. I, was, I was spent. And I was, you know how it is, Joe. I was already oh, yeah. spent balancing everything because I was doing comedy, right? Doing stand-up comedy. And then on top of that, doing the teaching thing and then still going to acting class before I had an agent. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I remember sometimes I was in grad school at LMU, right? This whole TFA thing, you had to do that. I remember it was a few times I would leave my grad school class, go to the J spot or the comedy union, do a set, come back to class and pretend like I just had like really bad stomach issues. And then finish the, I'll finish class that day, you know, or like doing lesson plans before I go on stage at the Laugh Factory. Hey, like, chill, what you doing, man? Oh, I'm just writing a script. You know, it's just like trying to keep it private from other entertainers because sometimes you don't get the same respect if you have a job and all that stuff. So, yep. yeah, man, it was it was a lot, and um, but but I but I loved it, man. It was it was great. You know, it, it was good. I think comedy helped me become a really good teacher, and I feel like teaching helped me become a better comedian because although I, I would realize like I was drive to open mics after you know teaching, and then it hit me. I was like, I'm driving like an hour to perform in front of two comedians sometimes when essentially I was already getting time um, at, at the school. I'm around. I just need people. I don't need comedians or people at a comedy club. I just need people to hear me out. And so what I started to do, I used to like open up, you know, sometimes classes with just riffing just to get that skill. And it would, it would be great. And the kids loved it. It was entertaining. It brought them in and engaged them. Or I had like a lot of, uh, you know, um, people that weren't teaching, the custodians, principal, vice principals, whatever. So I was just like, you know, I'll catch them in the hallway because I'm a resource teacher. I had to bounce from like class to class. I'll just hit them with a joke real quick at attrition or recess or lunch or whatever, you know, and just see if it works, you know. My friend Kenzo was a great person to, you know, throw jokes at because he was really funny. And, you know, uh, Mr. Ogba, he taught math, all types of stuff. So that's how I was able to balance it. Just kind of, just it was a grind, man. It was a grind okay. for sure. We... We literally just met minutes ago. 
for the first time. For those of you who don't know, we got yeah. this interview was hooked up by our manager, our mutual manager. Okay, stop yeah. listening. I'm going to make you my best friend. Like, oh, right. <laughs> Bro, and, and there's not too many people that can relate to no. what I'm at all. I'm crawling out of my skin right now because you're literally like, I don't have a book out yet, but I right, feel right. like you've read it. Like you're, right. qu- you're <laughs> quoting me. Okay, let's talk about this. Yeah. Okay, first of all, I bet hecklers don't get you down because working in middle school, I did fifth and sixth grade for a while too. Those kids, they're the real hecklers. Like yes. I had, I had, I had, shouldn't do wait for this. I had a fucking fifth grader who came up to my belly button, look at me dead in the face and say, you're just a bitch who's probably still sucking on that titty. And I had to walk away, not because I was mad, because I was dead. And I was like, I'm going to use this tonight in my set, tonight. And it right. killed. And then, yeah. and then the hecklers in the club, Boo. You think a boo is going to get me down? Right. Right. Seriously. Did you ever have any kids like say some like crazy ass shit to you? Yeah. Like just like in different ways, you know, you have like some students who they you know they have like a pretty large head. Right. <laughs> and so, they, you know, they'll call, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Big Head, stuff like that. And I will welcome it because it didn't upset me. You know, I try to teach all the time. You can't get upset. These are their kids. For sure. For sure. You know, if anything, use it to build relationships. So once they see that you're not offended by the things that you say and, uh, you know, it makes them actually like you a lot. And then, you know, I just kind of I just kind of use it. Like, yeah, my big head because I'm smart and just like that. Your head is small because, you, you know, you're not doing your homework. You know, you do your homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, have, I remember one time um, I had one teacher. He was really upset. Because I had this this student, you know, some students are just like, they're different, right? I had a student named Brittany, and she was she was just, you know, a lot of attitude, and she's going to give it to you straight, and she's just really mean, for lack of better words. She's yeah. just really mean, and she was in 10th grade, I remember, and um, she was one of my, one of my favorite students because how difficult she was because I could get her to do work, oh, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But because... I understood, like, just had to speak their language in the beginning, and then, sh- you know, kind of meet them where they're at, and then take them where you want them to be, you know? And so Mr. Moreno, he was like, you know, I was trying to help Brittany and she was like being really mean to me. And he was like crying a little bit. I was like, Mr. Moreno, I like, you're taking it too personal. Like you, you have to understand Brittany is, is an asshole, you know? <laughs> and then he was like, Mr. You, you can't say that. I was like, listen, do you, do you know adults are assholes? He's like, yes. I was like, okay, cool. At one point in time, those adults were kids. <laughs> you know? I was like, she knows who she is already, and that's fine. Now approach her in a way that you would someone who's mean, and that's because that's what she respects. Once you gain that respect, and then she's willing to hear you out, and you can teach her and mold her the way you want to. You know, so it's just it was just that type of thing where like comedy just made me fearless with the kids, and the kids maybe even more fearless doing comedy. I always said, like you said too, teaching made me a better comic, comedy made me a better teacher. I so vibe with that. I'm going to go get it tattooed to my neck as soon as we're done. <laughs> right. <laughs> but did you ever like put on presentations for the staff and say, so you two taught for six years. That's a, that's a long time. 100%. Yeah. So I remember I was giving a presentation to the staff and I got heat for this, but I said, I am Meryl Streep on the inside. You guys don't know it, but every time I go into the classroom, it's the best lowest paying acting gig I've ever had because you don't have to (laughs) like every single kid. You just have to make them think you do. 100%. Right. So, and the whole thing too, is like so many teachers get caught up in the fact of like, 
feeling bad about not liking certain kids. And it's Mm. like, listen, do you like every adult? No, you're not going to like all these kids. You get 30 every year. It's unrealistic, but the acting behind it is just like, it's, it's true. Yeah. You can't let that dislike affect you though, as a teacher, right? Mm Because whether that student is treating you respect or not, you still owe them your all in terms of, you know, giving them the education that they, that they desire where they realize it or not. Right. You know, it's it's just that type of thing. And then, but still teach them about life too. Like it's important to let kids know, Hey, you are annoying. Right. And this is how, this is why, (laughs) seriously. And this is why being annoying can affect you negatively in in the future. You know, like it it could affect you. Like when you come be late constantly to things can affect you when you have a job. You being disrespectful to people that you should be showing your respect that is here is literally just to help you can affect the relationships that you have later down the line. Because a lot of times kids don't realize that they're building such bad habits. Uh-huh. So it's important to just have real conversation and they respect you so much for just telling them like it is. And the only way you could tell them like it is, is you first got to build that love and that trust in that relationship. And then you just let them know, like, hey, man, what you did was really messed up to that kid. You shouldn't say things like that. This is why, you know? Yep. That's what I always used to tell other teachers, too, is uh, sugarcoating never does anything but give cavities. So if you sit there and tell the kids, oh, it's okay to act like that, you're fucking lying. And they're going to do it again. And these kids sniff it out. They know you're sugarcoating. So they they just take it as you BSing with them. Especially especially middle school. Middle schoolers are (laughs) so good at two things. You'll know this for fact. Yeah. Middle schoolers are super, they're master manipulators. It's like in their blood. Like when you turn 12, you know how to work your teachers like to the core. And the other thing they're really good at is smelling like shit. Yeah, yeah, it's real. Like when I taught six, I was like, I was reaching out to Glade and I was like, listen, I do not have it in my budget to get this many Glade plugins, the amount that I need per day. Yeah. I need to change them in the middle of the day. My classroom smells like shit. They smell like shit. Yeah. I used to buy kids deodorant. I had no shame in it. I was like, go ahead. It's on the house. This is how you use it. Once once in the morning, once at night, if you shower or whatever. And then I know with, uh, with some kids with the, the manipulation, they're really good with manipulating their parents. Too. Oh, yeah. And then you know? they believe the kids. And they believe it. And I, I used, to, used to baffle me. I'm like, <laughs> and sometimes they genuinely believe it. Other times they're like, they just believe it because they just don't want to deal with the problem. You see uh-huh. what I'm saying? They were like, you know, like, okay, cool. Oh, he has a history of lying. Okay, so why are you continue to believe him when he says he has no homework? He obviously has homework. We give homework every day. I promise you. We're not taking a day off, let alone two weeks. (laughs) Like, there's homework, okay? Like, oh, my God. It, it's like it's consistently like every single time too. I, I'd have parents come in and be like, "I don't know if this is true. You think I'm fucking just making this up right now? Like <laughs> just pulling this out of my asshole that your kid did this today? No, right at all. Okay, let me get. I, I want to get into the hustle. I I'm literally not going off my notes at all. This conversation right. is so good. Okay. <laughs> my bad. I want to get into the hustle, but I want to talk to you too. So you said special ed. Did you have, did you work yeah. with a certain kind of, did you have a certain endorsement? Did you work with a certain kind, like cognitive impaired, POHI? Like what, what kind of student did you typically work with? Right. So I was a mild to moderate special education teacher. Right? Got it. So the majority of my students were students who were actually in, included in the general education environment and curriculum, mm-hmm. but they either came to me to take tests or they came to me for my resource classroom where I actually retaught the lesson or pre-taught a lesson to them 
just like, you know, with a slower pace or to, are really focused in on their most difficult part. But the disabilities I work with the most were like students with uh, learning disability that are SLD, you know, aud- auditory processing, visual processing, some students with autism or Asperger's at the time, they used to call it. Um, You're such a teacher. Look at you with your people first language, students with autism. I'm like obsessed. Hey, bro, hey. It doesn't leave. It doesn't leave. It becomes a part of you, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I also worked with, you know, emotionally disturbed students. Uh, I worked with uh, a deaf and hard of hearing. So, so anything for the most part that you can uh, socially, um, you know, minus the students sometimes with autism, but like socially you're amongst your peers and mm-hmm. you don't need support in that area. Okay. Sometimes with just like DIS counseling, but you just need a little extra support in the academic area. Every now and then I will get students with a little bit more severe disabilities. Um, and then we'll, you know, we we'll do our best to support them in that environment, yeah. whether that's hiring a one-on-one or whatever, or like a, um, a BII, which is like a behavioral, you know, assistant, that type uh-huh. of thing. Yeah. So a little bit all over the gamut. I worked in, um, I'm going to tell you the story. Okay. And <clears throat> I know you might be even able to one up it. So when I'm finished with this, I need to know what yours is. Cause I know some shit went down. Right. I taught my first year teaching ever. I got hired in this school that was, it bordered Pontiac, Michigan, which is, you know, a very, uh, it's a rougher area outside of Detroit. Okay. And we housed the students who had the worst behavioral needs in the entire state of Michigan in my school. I'm not trying to be funny, but the only way I can describe it is like there was a wing of my school that was the elementary version of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Like it was, wow. in, it was intense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Teaching blah, blah, blah. Very understaffed, super understaffed. So mm. all of the reg general ed teachers, me had to get trained to do like the safe holds and like what to do. And I'm the only dude in the building. The only one. Oh right? man. So so I'm constantly getting called out of class to go like help out with these situations, like kids throwing shit at the wall, like literal shit. Yeah. Like just like writing their name and shit. Like it was like, I, you can't unsee this stuff. I got a call one day that this kid escaped the building and they were going to sub my classroom so I could run and get him. <laughs> I'm like, they don't fucking pay me enough for this shit. This is ridiculous. I'm running down the main street chasing this kid, right? And he is scooping up rocks, not pebbles, straight up rocks, and just chucking them at me with dead ass accuracy. Like, I'm like, foo, foo, foo. <laughs> this is terrible to say, but at that point, when that's going through, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, this kid's gonna get hit by a fucking car. I'm yeah. gonna get a concussion. I got to take his ass out. So I get close enough. Should have uh-huh. never done this, I guess. But I like, whoosh, like swooped his legs and he like hit the ground and then like got him in the, in the safe, the safe hold and stuff. Yeah. The scariest shit in my life. I thought I was going to get fired for sure. My boss calls me in her office. She's like, sometimes you have <laughs> to do what's right. I'm like, thank you, Mufasa. Like what? The right, hell? Right, right. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much. Like I felt so did. So did like any crazy shit ever happen to you? But like the students we had, I saw it in your eyes just now. Oh, yeah. Shit. I mean, it was, I never had to like, thank God. I never had to, I mean, I had one kid who was like, he wanted to fight me, you know, um, this kid in high school and to his defense, he was becoming, schizophrenic a little bit oh, uh, uh. it was starting to show in its last year of school you know and then we we had a great relationship but as his disorder like intensified 
he a lot of that stuff just he he was just it just didn't matter who he liked you know okay. i remember uh you know he had his phone out and we we're supposed to be taking a test and i'm like hey can you you know can you put mm-hmm. your phone out let's call him b you know hey like, hey b can you put your phone out he was like man and keeps texting i'm like all right no problem he wants attention i'll give it a couple minutes and i'll remind him so i walk over hey b man you mind putting your phone away he just snaps. He just stands up with his fist, his fist clenched. He's like, get out of my face, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I look, <laughs> I wasn't scared. I, I looked at my uh, my fellow research teacher, Mr. Rodriguez. I was like, yo, you better go get him because <laughs> I ain't about to get, if I get hit, <laughs> he like, hey, hey, look, that's what we're not going to do. He ain't going to hit me. Hey, look, we go. You go find out how strong <laughs> Mr. Yanaka is today. I wasn't going <laughs> was to hurt the man. But you know, I was gonna, I was gonna do your hold just tighter, you know, <laughs> <laughs> tighter. Yes, I have, I have spent hours with this kid outside of school helping him out. Uh-huh. But I'm always very aware of like, okay, cool. A lot when things like that happen, they don't mean it. Mm-hmm. They just struggle with impulses, you know, like greatly. And it's just, you know, I have another these two twins. I remember one time they came to my school. They kind of like Derrick Rose, you know, really handsome young man. They're like 10th grade, but they were out of pocket, you know? And this yep. was during a time where there was like a lot of mass shootings going around, oh, yeah. going around the, the nation at schools, yeah. you know? These kids are new to the school, so we don't even know their tendencies yet. One of them, he comes in, he's like, hey, Mr. You, can I go to the bathroom? I'm like, have you started your work? He's like, yeah, like, go ahead, show it to me. I'm like, okay, cool. Go ahead, go to the bathroom. Without realizing it, he stole my stapler, right? Oh. He has my stapler in his pants. He goes to the classroom, like down the hall, where one of his friends are, like in the classroom. He runs in the door. Everybody get down with the stapler. Oh no! No one knows this kid yet, you know. <laughs> He's like, everybody get down. The student's like, ah! <laughs> I was like, yo, what were you doing, oh. Mister? How did Devin get out of the classroom? I'm like, he's allowed to go to the bathroom. Like, I didn't see what he was was about to do. Bro, I was like, man, I got so mad at him. Like, you cannot. That is not funny on any level. I was like, you cannot do that right now. Dude, is it not true or what that teaching, the most important parts of teaching is what they can't teach you before you get into the job? 100%. 100%. how it is. Oh my God, that's crazy. That was that was insane, man, because I can only imagine what those kids thought at oh, that time. high, like... Holy. You ever had a teacher, like, quit during school hours? Are you fucking kidding me? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a teacher for 10 years. Yes, I've seen them walk the fuck out. <laughs> Man, I remember uh, my first, it was my second year teaching and we had this uh, this teacher and um, really nice guy, but he just had a really thick accent, you know? Uh-huh, and yeah. it was just a, a Do you mind huge... if I ask like from where? Oh, from uh, China. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was, just, it was just an easy target for the kids to make fun of, you know? And he was really bad at picking his battles. Some stuff you just got to ignore. Yep. Because you're feeding yep. into it, it's a wrap, you uh-huh. know? Uh-huh. He, any little thing, he just wanted silence at all times. So I'm like, bro, you're not going to get that. You have to just, you know, some kids you will get silence. Other kids just have to let them be, you know? And he was really bad at noticing he will attack the body of the dragon, if that makes sense. Oh, Instead yeah. Of, Instead of figuring out who's the head of the dragon. If I could control the head, you control the whole class, yep. you know? And so one day he was teaching and uh, a kid gets up and throws a book at him. It doesn't hit him, but it hits the board, like right by his face. And he just drops his marker. Who did that? No one says anything. 
He's like, I'm out of here. And he just walks out. It's 11 a.m. Class just started. He walks out to his car, drives off, doesn't answer a phone call or email for three weeks. He just, dis- <laughs> he, just, he just disappears. And then he just says, then one day he says a super long email to the principal and CCs the whole staff. And it was just like, whoa, oh, man. I got to be so honest with you. I, I came to that breaking point before. I really oh, did. Yeah. I, I, so I was teaching in, an, in a school where I felt extremely, extremely, extremely like undermined and not listened to. And I had been mm. asking for the same type of help over and over and over with this particular group of students that were growing increasingly unsafe. So I felt like my, my classroom was becoming increasingly unsafe. And yeah. then I, w- I was constantly getting the oh, you gotta, you gotta. I'm mm. like, no, you gotta. Like, you know? <laughs> so it went to the point where the one of the students, a fifth grader, straight up hulked it out, lifted his desk over his head and chucked it at me. And I was like, here's the thing, not today. So I went and I told myself, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done, but I'm going to give it one more shot. And I'm going to go down to the office right now and talk to the principal right now. And if they see the severity of the situation and they take action, I will stay. But I had keys in hand was like prepared to dip. (laughs) And I went to the office and I was just like, do you have a minute? And they saw she was like, yep. And I was like, this is what happened. This is why I've been saying this. And I knew this would happen and nobody's doing anything about it. So I need this handled immediately. And yeah. she was like, you stay here. I'm taking over your class. And I was like, absolutely. Yes. Oh my yeah. God. I'm like hot reliving that. Bro. Cause it's, it's a real thing. Like a lot of times teachers, we, we work so hard and it's up to admin to support the teachers. And and sometimes it's not that, well, there's a few things, right? Because there are things Adam could do to just make the culture better and the mm-hmm. students will follow along in terms of, you know, the, the way you decorate the school, um, stuff you choose to celebrate, the programs you have outside of, te- you know, the, the regular classes they have, you know, spending money on after school programs because they have it in their budget. Some people, some principals just choose to save it instead of spending it the way they're supposed to spend it, you know? And so it's like, you have to see the admin actively trying to help for the teachers to be the best they can. Cause a happy teacher is the best teacher, you know? So if you're not giving them support, they need, and it's not, it's not even about like, Hey, I'm going to go fix this kid for you. I used to always tell teachers like, look, sometimes we can put so much love and work into a kid and they still don't change. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that is still a win. Yes, they didn't get better, but guess what? They didn't get worse. Sometimes, you know, as middle school teachers, we don't get to see the, the, the fruit from the work that we put in. Sometimes it don't show up to the 10th grade or 11th grade or 12th grade. But if we don't put in that work, he could go, he or she could go the way, the other way. Right. You know, and that's, that's, that's just a real thing. So the way I look at teaching, because I understand like, just, it's just difficult across the board. A lot of times our principals are tied, their hands are tied because of people above them. Mm-hmm. You know, so the yeah. way I look at it, teaching, honestly, is, is activism because we're not getting paid what we're worth. Right. And we have to deal with a lot of things that wasn't on the application that I applied to. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I remember my first two years, I was crossing yard, all types of stuff. Right. So I just see it as as activism. Right. We're, we're, we're doing a lot more than what we are supposed to be doing. And you really have to love the kids to be OK with it. It's it's. 
in the in the in the attempts of trying to fix it, right? Yeah, still being okay with it as we try to make it better too. You know, listen, listen, uh, uh, chills like legit chills right now. Mm-hmm. I I want to switch and start talking about the hustle too because like your your comedy history is so amazing too. But I just gotta say this, man, like you were put in classrooms for a reason. Like I can see it and I can hear it. Like teachings loss was comedy's gain for sure. But like, I can just tell you fucking we're a rock star. Like good on you. Like you, you did. I appreciate awesome. it. Appreciate it, bro. Good time. Yep. So, so, okay. I know that life of balancing both. It's the hardest thing in the world. You're working two full time jobs at once, but I mean, you recently were just named times out LA 2020 comics to watch. You're yeah. clearly doing something right. So like, how did it, how did, what was the progression of like knowing you had to leave teaching to like follow your dream in entertainment and comedy? Right. I think the point that I knew I had to leave teaching was when um, I added that third thing officially, which was mm-hmm. the acting component. Right. You know, it's one thing to study as an actor because you can control when your class is, right? You can control when your rehearsal is. I had no control over when my auditions were. Right. You know, and so I was having, an incredible time of just, this was a normal day for me sometimes. I used to leave, you know, you know how it is. We'll do a, a comedy show, comedy store, life act, whatever, right? We'll perform. I finish my set. You never know what kind of networking thing you can run into. So you will hope to stay to the end of the show. So let's say I stay to the end of the show, right? Show ends 12 a.m., mm-hmm. right? Talk, whatever, shake some hands, meet a new person, da 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 da. Okay, cool. Go home, making sure everything's set for school. Wake up around like 6.30, might work out, go to, go to class. At class, I might have, it might get an email around 12 p.m. Hey, you have an audition for tomorrow at 6. I'm like, damn, I got a show tonight at 8. Okay, cool. Finish teaching, whatever. I'm learning lines to meet. I'm already texting people. Hey, man, can you rehearse with me? Da, 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 whatever. Can I come over? Da, can you come over? Rehearsing, trying to learn my lines, getting ready. Okay, cool. Do my show at 8, come back home, get sleep. And now I'm at work the next day. Have to leave work because auditions at 12.30. Yeah. Leave work, drive 45 minutes from I'll teach in South Central this time, 45 minutes to Burbank or North Hollywood with the with super low energy because something random happened with Lawrence today, you know? <laughs> so I'm driving. It's a Disney audition. You're supposed to have all this energy or whatever it might oh, be. Oh, God, right? Yep. You're trying to get the kids off your mind so you can just be present for this character. After that, whether you bomb or not, driving all the way back to work to finish the day. So that was just like the normal thing. And it's just exhausted me to where the weekend I would sometimes be, be on a road. I have to go dip out, catch a plane. I would, I wasn't having, I was okay with not having a life outside of comedy and teaching. Cause that's just a sacrifice I had to make. And I was just find fun. I was just, the, the quote I used to say all the time was like, in order to catch the dreams you follow, you have to enjoy the chase. Yes. So I, I just made everything that sucked fun in my head. You know, I would just have the most fun with the kids as I could, the most fun at the comedy clubs when I can. So my workspace just became my amusement too. And that, 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 that held me long enough for me to get through that year. Yep. And then I kind of became a coordinator, which was a lot more flexible with my time. I was still working full time, but it allowed me to not be so stressed out because I wasn't in charge of necessarily teaching kids no more. Now I was just training teachers and stuff like that, you know? That was my first step out too. The, my first year that I was officially not a full-time teacher, I was a building substitute, which allowed me to like say yes yep. when I could and say no when I couldn't, which was great. It's, but you know how it is, an, an additional come up and you got to get there like tomorrow. 
Yeah, man. It just got really crazy. Uh, do you mind if I ask when you, uh, what year you went out of the classroom full time? Or, or yeah. yeah, yeah, out of the classroom was, I think it was, let me see, 9 to 11, 11 plus four. I think it was 2015, 2015, 2015. 2014. I was, I was done full time teaching. Like people, I don't, I think you're one of the only people who will really understand this too. It's like, Teaching is great and it definitely fuels your fire to like be giving back and helping people, like you said in the very beginning of our conversation here. But as stressful as it is to work those two full time jobs, like comedy is just an entertainment. It's so fun. Yes. All of that hard grind. Like I remember getting doing like two hour drives stuck in traffic to get to a gig that started at seven. I had to leave work a half hour early, drop my kids off at gym and do this crazy drive and practice my set in the car. And I was like, this was so worth it because it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the kids. That's a whole other, you oh. know, that's, that's a job in itself, you know, per kid. Yeah. So, no, but you're right. Like, I would drive uh, two hours to San Diego for just, not even for, like, real money, just because they're allowing me to do 30 minutes. Like, yeah. I, was just, I just wanted to do more time. So I would happily drive to San Diego after a long day of work, work doesn't feel long until it feels long, but you don't really how you don't know how tired you are until you leave. Yep. Like, I am exhausted. You know, I would drive two hours, go to go to San Diego, do a show, drive back home, Santa Barbara, then tour two hours just to do more time. Man. And it's, it's, it's like you're right, man. There's nothing better than this being on stage and telling jokes is definitely addicting, you know. I cannot believe how quickly this conversation went by. Like we're, we're already out of time. Like I could, oh, I yeah? could pick nice. your brain forever, but before we go, before we go mm-hmm. 2020 comic to watch, like how, how has that been? What are you up to in the comedy space uh, during quarantine and all that? And uh, where can people like catch more of you and, and come see you and watch your stuff? Yeah. Dope. Um, yeah. It's just been kind of like focusing on acting right now and like writing, like developing some scripts. Cool. Um, you guys can see me. There's a new movie called uh, two minutes of fame. I'm in there for about a minute and a half, but you, you can watch me in that. And then uh, I have a comedy album out called mostly kidding. That's on um, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, I think Pandora too. That was produced by comedy dynamics. But besides that, yeah, just, you know, got some stuff that I'm just working on. I'm excited to get out. Uh, working with someone with Spotify too. Hopefully it's supposed to come out in January. Nice. So, so we'll see. Hit him with your Instagram handle. Oh yeah. My Instagram handle is Chinadu Unaka. So C-H-I-N-E-D-U. Last name is U-N-A-K-A. And uh, my Twitter is Chinadu Comedy. Chinadu, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. I Uh, appreciate you. Listen, if you guys are listening still, which I know you are, go follow him, go follow him, go follow him, go watch his stuff online. This dude's the real deal. He's the real deal. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening. This one blew my mind. I was loving it. I was loving it. And I'm still loving it. Yo, don't forget. Patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. Go ahead and become a super fan. Get all the bonus content. I'm sorry, a big fan. Get the bonus content. A super fan. Get the bonus content and the Zoom happy hours. Go ahead and get it. Also, check tickets for the Minneapolis show, www.mrdtimes3.com. And don't forget, you can always text me. We can keep in touch. Text the word pod to 1 313 251 1036. Again, that's 1 313 251 1036. Three, six. I love you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Try to catch me howling at the moon.